Hi, Max. I wanted to share something with you. I wanted to tell you how grateful I am and how you've embraced your sobriety since day one. I'm grateful for how you changed your life. I'm grateful for the love you have for me. I'm grateful for you. Love, Mom. If your loved one is still struggling with addiction, you might not feel like you'll ever get to grateful. But we can show you how. At Karen, we've helped families overcome addiction for 70 years. So if your loved one is ready for something different, visit caron.org slash lost. You might be right. It's simple, but something you almost never hear in politics today, with each side more concerned about scoring political points than solving problems. I'm Bill Haslam, a Republican. And I'm Phil Bredesen, a Democrat. We're former Tennessee governors, and we invite you to listen to our podcast, You Might Be Right. Join us and guests like Al Gore, Paul Ryan, Judy Woodruff, as we take on important issues facing our country. Listen and subscribe to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee. Let the word go forth. Fool me once. Are you fired up? I'm not a crook. Are you ready to go? Shame on It's Abe Lincoln's Top Hat, hosted by Ben Kissel. Boom, we can't get fooled again. Hey, what's up, everyone? How you doing? Ben Kissel here, hanging out with Fernando. Hola, Ben. And Travis Irvine. Hola, Ben. What's that you feel? It's the midterm election hangover. We're going to (laughs) recap what happened this past Tuesday. Some good news for the Dems. The red wave did not happen. Of course, Joe Biden is quite thrilled. He and Jill, they must have had a dry, dry (laughs) kiss to celebrate. A bad night for Donald Trump indeed. So bad, as a matter of fact, he and Melania didn't kiss at all. He's blaming (laughs) her for the loss in Pennsylvania. Dr. Oz lost. To our boy, John Fetterman. We're also going to discuss up top some ballot initiatives that have made Mm -hmm. news. Louisiana. I want to start with this ballot initiative and I want to start with Louisiana, the home of John Kennedy. No, not John F. Kennedy. He (laughs) is Are you talking about me? Yeah, you sound pretty good for a man without a brain. Yes, I've lost my brain, but I still have my balls. They still work. (laughs) Well, in the Kennedy tradition, John Kennedy, the Republican uh, senator out of Louisiana, also has no brain. If you'll recall, (laughs) we played a campaign ad for him that said, if you want to defund the police, next time you're in trouble, call a crackhead. Call a crackhead. Call a crackhead. Call a crackhead. Criminal justice. It was on the ballot, specifically ballot initiatives in four states. There was the question if they should, quote, remove slavery as as punishment. Okay, so Tennessee, this was Amendment 3. They modified the Constitution to remove slavery as punishment. Uh, 2022, there we go. It's Tennessee. There you go, Tennessee. You're the only 10, I suppose, that I see around. (laughs) Okay. Oregon, they also said, let's get rid of slavery. What's hey, the point? All right, Oregon, here we go. No more slavery. Vermont, they have said, let's ban slavery. And I'm not sure what Ben and Jerry are going to do with their new slavery themed ice cream. <laughs> oh God. However, Louisiana, good old Louisiana, 60% said when it comes to removing slavery as punishment, eh, nah. eh. so eh. in Louisiana, the constitutional amendment, it was amendment number seven. They were going to remove slavery as punishment. 39.1% said, yeah, let's do that, right? Because that's kind of a bad thing, you know, Mm -hmm. indentured servitude, slavery. But 60 
0.9% in Louisiana said, uh, no, don't bother doing that. Oh Call a crackhead. It is, uh, <laughs> what is that? What does that even mean? How do you look at the ballot? I wasn't, I'm not thrilled with all the ballot initiatives that happened in California. I voted for ball and dice games, but no one wants to have fun around here. No, That's sir. a whole other thing. <laughs> but this ballot initiative, if I had to guess to ban slavery or not, I would have just gone four for four. I would have thought that every state in the union, even Louisiana, would right. say, yeah, it's hack. We already have the prison system. It's better than slavery. Oh what my the God. hell is going on in Louisiana? Well, I think that's who the winner actually probably is, the prison system. It's probably these mm. lobbyists. I mean, the, the slave punishment is only happening in prisons. So these people are having what make furniture, break rocks, do yep. weird jobs that basically qualify as slavery. And they get to keep doing them now in Louisiana prisons. Right. No, that's a good point because John Kennedy, that Republican senator, call a crackhead. Call a crackhead. Same deal. He's propped up by the private prison industry. And indeed, you see a lot of these elected Republicans statewide in multiple states and, and some Democrats, too, are usually on the payroll, a.k.a. the campaign donations from the private prison industry. Um, John Kennedy is very familiar with it. Uh, the other point I'd like to make out of those states, Vermont, Oregon, uh, what was the other one? Louisiana. No, the other one that did that did. But Tennessee, even Tennessee. Tennessee. I mean, if we're talking about like kind of taking a lens and zooming out all of those states were free states during the civil war. Tennessee was one of those border states that mm. wasn't quite slavery. I mean, you know, Andrew Johnson was Abraham Lincoln's vice president for a brief time because they were trying to unite the mm. states after the civil war. But Louisiana was a very big slave state. And yeah. there's probably something there in just the, the uh, the ramifications of being an old slave state that people saw that on the ballot and are like, hell yeah, slavery, keep it around. It's about heritage, not hate. It's about heritage. Not <laughs> right. Hate. I mean, <laughs> that's the thing. Alabama, <laughs> Mississippi, Georgia, those states didn't have an initi a ballot initiative like this, and it's probably for a reason. Yeah, it's not one that you want to see your state losing. That's all I'm saying. Mm. Oh, yeah. Interesting times. Again, 2022, the past is the present. And we're all living with the ramifications of the mistakes of the folks that lived before us. When it comes to marijuana, this was another ballot initiative. Obviously, these make uh, these always get some news. Maryland. So if you're in mm -hmm. the great state of Maryland, you're in Baltimore. Yeah. Ooh, you got that sweet herb coming. <laughs> they have decided to legalize marijuana for people over the age of 21. Now, this ties Ooh. into criminal justice reform. This ties into the industrial prison complex that is currently, again, flooded with people with, for uh, drug offenses. Now, when it comes to marijuana, that's a gateway to larger prosecutions. A lot of times, if you right. get found with a joint, next thing you know, they can find a whole series of things or they can plant evidence, whatever it might you can't be. can't have a joint with a gun. It's you a, know, right. It's a right. step in the right direction. Maryland has decided to legalize marijuana. So those great soft crabs, mm, they're going to mm. taste even better when you're able to eat them stoned. You ever have crab? You ever eat crab stoned? <laughs> butter. <laughs> yeah. uh, sir, that's your ninth shot of butter. You've got to get out of here. This is a gas station. Missouri. Also, 
voted to legalize marijuana, 53%. Interesting, given the state of Missouri. That was a toss-up to me. I wasn't sure Mm -hmm. where they were going to go. A state that has very conservative tendencies, but also you have places like St. Louis. You have some liberal places that are maybe a little bit more accepting of the idea of marijuana being legal. And in St. Louis, don't they border a state that's legal? So, I mean, they're literally losing taxes because in St. Louis, you can cross a bridge and go spend Mm -hmm. money in another state. Absolutely. And of course, it also leads to some danger. If you look at like alcohol, for example, in Wisconsin, the last state where it was still 18 years old, they called it murder highway or not Mm -hmm. murder highway. Rather, it was death highway, Mm -hmm. the highway from Milwaukee to Chicago, because the youth of Chicago would come down to Milwaukee get Mm. all hammered and then drive back to Chicago because that's what you do when you want to get someplace fast. (laughs) Do it when you're blacked out. (laughs) So when it comes to safety as well, if you do have a neighboring state that has legal weed, perhaps people are traveling over there, taking a couple edibles, driving on the way back. And yes, weed is great, but it does mess with your brain. That's why I like it. (laughs) Not necessarily the safest thing for your community. So it makes a lot of sense. To legalize. Now, there were three states that I'm surprised did not. Oh, you're surprised, huh? I am surprised. South Dakota, North Dakota, and Arkansas. I'm more surprised with the Dakotas. These are not southern states. These are northern states. Obviously, they are traditionally red states. I understand. But what they both have is massive farm communities. Mm -hmm. And I figured Mm -hmm. that perhaps the farmers union, people who work in agriculture, would want this as a cash cow because right now it's still not federally completely legalized. As we know with our own weed company or with our weed brand that we're working with last podcast on the left, if you sell weed in California, it has to be grown in California. You sell weed in in Illinois, it has to be grown in Illinois. You can't cross state lines. It has to be grown in the state in which it's being sold. So if Mm. you're North Dakota and South Dakota, and hell, I'll even throw Arkansas in there, they just put millions, they just they left it on the table. They left it on the table. And I don't, is it the culture war? Do they really, is, do you guys think it's just, you legalize weed, next thing you know, every man's penis is falling off and now they're women. <laughs> <laughs> is that the issue? Because I can't really yeah. rationalize from an economic perspective, from a just a societal perspective, when it comes to the amount of alcohol that's consumed, North Dakota is quite known for suicide. Mm. The amount of drug abuse that they have, Fentanyl is going crazy in places like Arkansas, North Dakota, South Dakota. So wouldn't legalized marijuana offset some of those, first of all, costs, and then second of all, some of the deaths that are happening with other pharmaceutical drugs? A hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, you're not wrong. And you're also not wrong about there's so many red states right now that have fully legalized marijuana. Right. right? Um, so I am I'm also baffled by the fact I remember going into Election Day. We knew that there were five states where it was going to be on the ballot. Um, I would like to also point out Maryland elected its first black governor, Wes Moore, in uh, history. Okay. So that's good for Maryland as well. And, and Missouri, you're absolutely right. I think Missouri is that kind of purple state where something like this could still succeed. I still think Missouri is more purple than red, even though you got Josh Hawley out of there. But I agree with Fernando's assessment that just because of the neighboring states, mm-hmm. it just made economic sense there. Right For North Dakota, South Dakota, Arkansas, your neighbor's 
this probably isn't as much of a of a you know looking uh, the grass is greener in the other state because right <laughs> those states don't really aren't surrounded by legal states in their own right. I am confused uh, honestly about South Dakota just because they did legalize medical just very recently. I think as in twenty twenty mm. um, they did go pretty hard for medical, but I think because the themes of this election were crime. You know, mm-hmm. uh, things like that. Mm-hmm. I think uh, uh, the Republican voters, the conservative voters who showed up specifically in those states probably see something like that. And they're just like, oh, that'll just be more crime. Well, one way to combat crime is to not have something be a crime. Because this then your is why are they should have sent you in. <laughs> they should have sent you in to campaign for these legal see, marijuana the initiatives. Is, Hopefully we do that next I time. got a way to lower the crime rates. We legalize what is currently a crime. Uh-huh. These numbers are going way down. Um, right. Beautiful. Wow. Imagine that, Ben. <laughs> also, in Missouri, they have allowed certain people, speaking of the criminal justice ramifications of marijuana, again, this is not about just getting stoned and and listening to your favorite, ooh, what's a good cliche? I'm watching the Big Lebowski on loop for 24 hours, which I have done well stoned, well drinking white Russians. Let's just say not a great day to be a toilet. <laughs> But this is about criminal justice reform. The In Missouri, I love that they added this as a component to their law. It allowed people incarcerated for marijuana-related offenses to petition for release because that is one of the nasty sides of legalization of marijuana. There are still thousands of people rotting away in prisons right now working uh, slave labor jobs with the aforementioned uh, slavery that still exists in the country with the prison industrial complex. And for them, talk about banging your head against the wall. I can't imagine every day of your life you're incarcerated for something that someone's benefiting and getting millions and millions of dollars to do now and is being awarded with like uh, small business of the year goes to to butthole cannabis. There you go. Mm. And meanwhile, people are, you know, living hellacious lives in prison. We're speaking of toilets. It's not just a toilet. It's also a sink. And it's uh, basically the uh, the fountain of your life. And it's mm. uh, it's absolutely disturbing. So Arkansas, I suppose I saw that coming. But the Dakotas, just a right. little disappointed in you. It also is for people over the age of 21 in all of these cases. Colorado, on a complete and utter flip side, Woo-hoo. they have gone and legalized hallucinogens such as uh, mushrooms and uh, uh, and also some different kinds of hallucinogenic plants. Again, what people consume is their own right. The state should have no say in it as long as everybody is safe. And when it comes to all drugs, the drug itself is not a crime. Mm-hmm. But if you rob a bank with a head full of acid, right. you still robbed a bank. Right. So that is mm. then a crime. Taking the acid is not. If you commit a crime on mm. acid, I don't know who the fuck would ever rob a bank on acid. It sounds horrifying. <laughs> no, bad idea. It sounds terrible. <laughs> but in a reefer madness sense, uh, mm. that does become a crime. So the crimes all still exist. It's one of the biggest aggravating factors about like people who talk about uh, you know legalization of drugs. Crime is going to go up. No, crime, is, they'll still arrest you. I promise you. <laughs> everyone's getting arrested. You can't just steal a car and be like, I thought it was a tomato. They're like, it doesn't matter. Mm. All right. I'm what you might call very good at hide and seek. And since we got Xfinity, we have Wi-Fi all over the house. 
even in my super secret hiding spots. So I can kill time in here by streaming my favorite- Ha! Found ya. How? You left to find my tablet on. Get wall-to-wall Wi-Fi on the Xfinity 10G network. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas at $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home. Also, in Arizona news, there was a proposition that's kind of interesting. Fernando, tell us about that. Well, uh, it's leading right now, Proposition 308. Okay. And it's very interesting because, as you know, there's a lot of illegal immigrants in this country that are, you know, they came here as children and Mm -hmm. they go to school. But when they go to college, they can no longer get financial aid and they don't have the resources available to them. So in Arizona, there's a proposition leading right now that would actually allow uh, children uh, students, regardless of their immigration status, to qualify for state financial aid, which is really, really cool. Yeah. I mean, it's not federal financial aid, which is fine, but the state, you know, these people still pay taxes. And when they graduate, they will likely stay in this country and contribute as a taxpaying citizen. So it's, absolutely. It's, and, it's, and that has effect on that has an effect on crime. Mm-hmm. In the inverse effect, because, of exactly. course, when you allow people in education, you make them part of the fabric of society. They're not going to go out and commit acts of violence or crimes because of financial need, mm-hmm. anger, rage, whatever it might be. Right. So I think that absolutely is f- fantastic. Mm-hmm. There was another interesting uh, ballot initiative that took place in Nevada. So they were asked if they wanted to increase the state's minimum wage to $12 per hour. Ooh, now, this ooh. is an interesting number because obviously right now it's hovering around $7.50 and a lot of people argue for $15 an hour. This seems to be a good purple compromise. Mm-hmm. Is it enough? Again, the minimum wage is not supposed to be a maximum wage. However, this is a start in the right direction for Nevada. They went yes to mm. raise the minimum wage. of Nevadians have said that sounds about right. Is it a living wage? Almost. Not quite. But again, as we've seen with the state, there is a lot of people in desperate need uh, having a difficult time making ends meet. And I think that is a step in the right direction. Mm Nevada is always like ahead of the game in a lot of stuff. Uh, It's one of the states where felons can vote. After you've served your time and uh, after a certain amount of time, you can actually vote again. So there's a lot of cool things happening in Nevada. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I'll just add that, you know, the ballot initiatives, part of what they do is it's a good way to get voters out just for that issue. Right. So what Mm -hmm. I find about interesting about these issues in Arizona and Nevada, they're very progressive issues. Right. Um, uh, Allowing the students to go to college. Uh, raising the minimum wage. So that's those are those kind of ballot initiatives that have the opposite effect as, of the ones we saw from Louisiana, Arkansas, et cetera, is these are issues that get out Democrats to vote. And the, I think you do see that reflected in the amount of Democratic turnout. I know we're going to get to the Senate races and everything here mm-hmm, soon, mm-hmm. but th- that's what's so interesting. Ballot initiatives are a tool usually used by one of the political parties or the other to get out their base to vote. 
And when it comes to the national elections, we'll talk about those uh, here in a second. Abortion was huge. Mm-hmm. It was same uh, deal. Right. A lot of people. I was listening to some pundits do punditry, saying that they believe the Democrats were making a mistake making abortion such a large issue. Of course, abortion ties in to uh, self-sovereignty. It ties in to the idea of having patient uh, doctor privilege, the idea of privacy, these things that we hold crucial and dear. And I know for a fact there are even some, you know, Republican, maybe even libertarian-leaning Republicans who said that they usually vote Republican. But on this issue, when it comes to body autonomy, they simply could not do it. So I think this ended up being a big political winner for the Democrats, Absolutely. because mm-hmm. if you're a Democrat, you're going to vote Democrat anyway. Mm-hmm. And if you're a Republican who maybe has a uterus or a someone who understands how important it is to um, allow people to control their own bodies, mm-hmm. I think the Dems are actually able to peel away a couple of percentage points from the national Republican brand because of what's going on with abortion. So just lastly, with ballot initiatives, abortion and healthcare, California, they voted yes on the right to abortion. Michigan voted yes on the right to abortion. Now, interestingly enough, Kentucky, uh, they worded this a little bit differently. They wanted to remove rights to abortion and that was a no. So uh, it looks like people have spoken and whether we think about hardliner pro-life or hardliner pro-choice, it seems like the rationale in this country is my body, my choice, mm-hmm. stay the fuck out of it. Mm-hmm. And that it, it, it's reading as if it's politically popular within the Republican Party as well, even if, you know, the mainstays, the call a crackhead mm-hmm. type Republicans want to pretend as if their constituency is 100% pro-life. It, it it does not seem to be showing that as the result. Right. Yeah, this is echoes of the, the Kansas referendum from earlier in this summer, right, where they tried to ban abortion. Uh, they thought it would fail by six points and end up failing by 18 points because it revved up that base, that right. Democratic. Um, and like you said, not even just Democratic, but, yeah, just women in general who want to have that that body bodily autonomy. So, again, another ballot initiative that is meant to get out specific voting groups. And obviously, I think, like, to your point, Ben, it, it worked. And you can see the results um, in these states where, where these things passed. Absolutely. All right. Well, let's move on. Let's talk about what happened with this election in general. Specifically, let's talk Pennsylvania. John mm-hmm. Fetterman, perhaps because of early voting, I do think it helped him. Uh, the debate performance wasn't necessarily the mm-hmm. greatest. He did the best he could. Obviously, a man suffering from a stroke. But one thing he does have is 16 years experience right. as a, a man in the public eye in Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. He's a real Pennsylvanian. He doesn't have to fake it like Dr. Oz did. <laughs> he was able to win 50.5% of the vote. NPA, a massive, massive win for the Democratic Party and, of course, for he and his family and, in my personal opinion, the people of Pennsylvania. This this seat has now been flipped. Of course, it was an open seat that uh, Mr. Fetterman, no doubt, will fully uh, fill out. So what do you guys think this means for PA? What did you guys think about the election as a whole? Obviously, we were talking about the polling 
before the vote, and Fetterman at one point was up by eight points, 10 points, and then it was dwindling, dwindling, and dwindling down. Dr. Oz separating himself from Donald Trump, and then right at the end, Donald Trump comes in <laughs> and campaigns for Dr. Oz, which is why the mud is all over that orange bastard's face, because <laughs> he can blame it on Melania all he wants. He was all in on Dr. Oz. And as we've seen in this past election cycle that we just had here on this past Tuesday, it doesn't look like he has the Midas touch at all. Just because he could turn his toilet gold doesn't mean that he's going to be winning with every candidate that he touches. So what do you think the Fetterman versus Oz race means, not just to Pennsylvania, but extrapolate out on Trump endorsed candidates as a whole? Obviously, we're in a Georgia runoff right now with Herschel Walker versus Warnock. We'll see what happens there in December, and we'll talk about that here in a second. But Pennsylvania, what are your thoughts? I mean, the implications of this midterm, I mean, we talked about it going in, and we're going to keep talking about it going out. But the Mm -hmm. implications of this election, obviously, uh, on Trump's time as kingmaker— I think the the verdict is in. I mean, all over cable news, even on NPR all day, they are saying that the the power brokers within the Republican Party are now saying themselves that it's time to move away from Trump. I mean, here in Ohio, J.D. Vance, that was a Trump pick, but he's the only one who's gotten through. I mean, Mm -hmm. like you said, Herschel Walker and uh, Reverend Warnock, they're about to head to a runoff in Georgia's race, but Dr. Oz didn't make it through. Carrie Lake didn't make it through. Mm -mm. Fincham in Arizona, um, even Nevada, this this Laxalt, who's in uh, the Republican Mm -hmm. Laxalt, who is uh, currently tied uh, with the Democratic senator there, I mean, you're just seeing a Trump pick after Trump pick just right. not get through. So when Trump teased a big announcement coming on November 15th from Mar-a-Lago, he did mm-hmm. that at the J.D. Vance uh, uh, rally he held here in Ohio. Right. You wonder if if what's I mean, you're going in with no momentum now. No, no. So momentum. Whatever this big announcement is coming from Mar-a-Lago. And so. The, the big announcement might literally just be that McDonald's has brought back the McRib. <laughs> oh my God! Finally, finally. <laughs> but you know, yeah. you make you make such a solid point. And when it comes to billionaire endorsements, even though Trump's probably not even a billionaire, he's so poor. Oh, I don't poor even guy. care. Anyway, that's uh, a bit of a lark there. When it comes to billionaire endorsements, Peter Thiel. Mm-hmm. That's who won for JD Vance. Right. Yeah, that's who got him the election. That's how yep. he was able to buy. That election, it wasn't Donald Trump's dumpy little endorsement. So the backdrop, uh, as Travis just laid out, with Trump candidates falling like flies all over the electoral map, and then DeSantis coming in Mm -hmm. with a straight up whopping on Charlie Crist. That was a whopping. Now, what do we have going on there? Because DeSantis, he and uh, Donald Trump have sort of kept each other at arm's length. They're political allies. uh, And then, of course enemies at certain times. And it seems to me, uh, just given DeSantis's speech where his crowd was chanting two more years, uh, alluding to the idea that he'll be running oh. for president. And of course, as we know, the presidential campaign, as nauseating as it is, has basically begun today. Right. Mm-hmm. Yep. So uh, I'm not sure how much uh, work you'll be doing there to govern in the state of Florida, DeSantis, that is. But you got the backdrop of DeSantis's massive win with the backdrop of Dr. Oz, Carrie Lake, so on and so forth, MTG. losing. 
MTG won. Yeah. MTG was able to win, but of course, Lauren Boebert, yeah. Lauren Boebert lost. So Hell what yeah. do you think that means to the macro conversation within the Republican Party, DeSantis, mm-hmm. Trump? Here's my opinion. Here's my opinion. Okay. So Trump has already said that if these candidates won, they should thank him. But if these candidates lost, that it's their own fault. So Trump right. already <laughs> feels that whatever happens is not his consequence. Whatever happens. Classic Trump. Him, That's classic just classic Trump. Trump. Right. Yeah. And then and then I have to push back that, you know, John Fetterman, luckily he did win, but it wasn't by too much. It was about 200,000 votes total. So it was a really close call. And I worry that these close calls and the fact that people like MTG did win, like Jim Jim Jordan did win, things like that. Yeah, but I those worry. are gerrymandered, redistricted districts. Those are, right. I mean, when you have a full Senate race, I think it's a lot more indicative of the population as a whole. MTG doesn't win unless it's fucking rigged. And same okay. thing with maybe Jim Jordan. I don't know. For some reason, he's got some clout over there in Ohio. So it looks like he's going to be fighting for with Kevin McCarthy to see who's going to be uh, House Speaker. Right. I, I just don't know if MTG is really indicative of Georgians as a whole, although we'll see. But I mean, look at Georgia, which is so fascinating with going Brian Kemp, 53 percent of the right. vote. And that means because Warnock, as we just mentioned, is now in a runoff with Walker. I want Travis to talk about this libertarian dude who got two percent of the vote. And what does that mean? Right. But the fact that people voted for Brian Kemp and then some. Many millions or tens of thousands mm-hmm. had to then vote for Reverend, Reverend Warnock, which is fascinating if you think about how many people just vote straight ballot, straight Republican, straight Democrat. Oh. So they had to vote Kemp and then Warnock. They had to make right. that decision. They, which right. is so they were like, yeah, we'll take a uh, we'll take a Republican governor, but we're fine with a Democratic senator. That to me is absolutely fascinating. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's kind of your independent swing voter mentality, right? We have the same thing here in Ohio. Mike DeWine uh, won by almost damn near 20 points. But then you look at the Senate race, just like Fernando was saying about Fetterman's race in Pennsylvania. Our race was also close. J.D. Vance did win, but you got probably 10 percent of the people or, you know, 10 points at least of the people who voted for DeWine, but then they flipped and voted for Tim Ryan for Senate. So you're right. They right. didn't go straight ticket. They go Republican, they go Democrat. And you see that in Georgia as well, which I do think is indicative of the, you know, like to your point, Ben, about the voting block as a whole per state. Um, when it comes to the House races, and, and Fernando, you're absolutely right as well, just in terms of folks like MTG, like they're going to have to deal with her for another two years, at least, <laughs> in, at least. In, the, in the House. I mean, McCarthy, you know, he already had to deal with that when she first got there. Um, well, I mean, I thought Marcus Flowers was at least campaigning quite well. He was extremely oh, yes, good. But to be on the show, he said no, but exactly. Well, but she got 67%, though. That's a lot. Right. But, that, but again, and that, this is the point I... I actually said this at the beginning of the year when we were making our beginning Mm -hmm. of the year predictions. I predicted that the Democrats do pick up seats in the Senate. They keep the Senate, but they quite possibly lose the House. Mm -hmm. And that verdict is still out. But the reason that Republicans are gaining seats is because of gerrymandering. I mean, again, if we had a proper redistricting process here in Ohio and you Everyone should go again, check out Katie Shanahan on our episode of on gerrymandering. She mm-hmm. was actually also recently on This American Life. So she's making all the rounds and basically breaking down how Ohio, we should have eight Democratic Congress people if our constitutional uh, referendum 
on redistricting was respected, but the Republicans didn't do that. So mm-hmm. I, I think of the way it shook out here, we did pick up um, at least one Democrat congressman down in Cincinnati. Um, we got rid of Republican Steve Shabbat. Finally, oh. I know it's not a fun Jewish tradition. He's just a shitty Republican congressman, <laughs> but now he's out of a job uh, beaten by city councilman, Greg Landsman. So the Democrat, but that's it. We picked up one seat. And so I think we're going to have five Democratic Congress people out of 15. And then you've got your Jim Jordans and your other Republicans out of our congressional delegation who, again, they were just drawn into their seats. They were drawn into their districts, sometimes laughably. So that's why right. you have MTG still gerrymandering. And if Kevin McCarthy, as they start to pick, you know, continue to count the votes and finish everything up. We'll see if Kevin McCarthy becomes the Speaker of the House. But if he does, it is just like I said at the beginning of the year, it's going to be because of gerrymandering. Right. And it seems like the American people aren't upset with the idea of a Republican House and a Democratic Senate. Right. You know, it seems like a lot of just going with Georgia again, for example, because it's fascinating to think about Georgians, again, a state that has MTG in her district, you know, granted, but have Brian Kemp. And Stacey Abrams, you know, I I think this is her last rodeo. Uh, She writes fantastic erotic fiction and Mm. she has a great book about business. I think she's exceptionally charming. Not exactly sure why that campaign didn't get off the ground. Obviously, we know the last time Brian Kemp purged the voter rolls and perhaps the same voter rolls there uh, as it was in the previous election. However, he was able to get well over 50 percent. It is what it is. But it seems as if we now live in a world where hopefully people are more willing to take a look at the candidate and not just the D or the R by their name. And it's really an indictment in Georgia and in Pennsylvania, an indictment on shitty celebrity driven political candidates. And that I love. Yeah, and, and I I think you're absolutely right. I think some independent voters, some swing voters were probably like, you know what? Brian Kemp's doing a good job, but I cannot vote for this crazy-ass football player. It's like uh, Corey Fo- Forrester said on our show, you know, uh, Georgia Bulldogs. Herschel Walker was yeah. one of the best football players of all time. <laughs> that does not translate into him being a competent senator or candidate. No, absolutely not. It uh, Well, it could... Uh, translating to be a competent double murderer like O.J. Simpson. But nonetheless, also, if you look at Carrie Lake, a former news broadcaster Mm. coming from the celebrity realm Mm -hmm. as well, Mm -hmm. with a little bit of a different flair to it, obviously from the news side, but. Right. And and Tudor Dixon, the Republican nominee in Michigan. What'd you call me, man? What did you just call me, man? Sir, I'm speaking about a Republican candidate for governor of Michigan. I Tudor will Dixon. never insult you with a little toot toot, Dixon. Come Thank on, y'all. Thank you. <laughs> so let's but, go. But Gretchen Whitmer kicked her ass, too. I mean, yes. again, Carrie Lake, Tudor Dixon, whether they're a small news celebrity from within that state right. or a national fake doctor celebrity like Dr. Oz, <laughs> they're just not good candidates. And I do think you right. see some power brokers within the Republican Party saying, we got to tack, we got to change course. Mm-hmm. And of course, we do have to mention the Democratic strategy to endorse some of these people or not to endorse, right. rather, to fund. financially to aid fund them. and yeah. to fund them. It looks as if perhaps this strategy didn't blow up in their face 
as bad as it could have. (laughs) Right. Which, again, does that mean that it was right? No. I still don't think so. But my God, when it comes to money, Georgia is about to be flooded with it. Two races where the Democrats spent a boatload was Beto Mm. O'Rourke. They spent $200 million with Beto. And they also spent a lot of money with Stacey Abrams, two hundred right. million, I believe, between the two of them. And as we saw, one lost by I think nine, the other is around seven or nine, between seven and ten points. Um, they're both losing by. So that is when you talk about money, you're like, spend two hundred million dollars to get your fucking ass kicked, huh? And then right. I think that makes people hate American politics. But before yeah. we get to the libertarian dude in Georgia, because I want to talk to you about that, Travis, and see where his voters are going to fall. You have to think for Barack Obama, it shows that he's still got the he's got the ability to still harness voter support. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Because he was out. He campaigned for Fetterman. He was campaigning. I believe he did some work with Tim Ryan. He's been out there. We worked, you know, Mark Kelly out of Arizona. Looks like he's going to be able to uh, hold off Blake Masters, a man who is just absolutely horrifying looking. He's all like his whole body is made of tooth. It's weird. (laughs) He's just a strange, cranky looking man that looks like he should be shaking like one of the villains in Resident Evil. But for Obama, (laughs) this is a bit of a. a bit of revenge because, of course, when he was in the White House, <laughs> right. the first term after, you know, the first midterm of his first uh, four years there, they got shellacked. And right. many people blamed him. Many people blamed the sort of rushed push for Obamacare and how that sort of uh, rolled out and transpired. So if you're Obama, he kind of helped out his old pal Joe, which mm. again is why Joe and Jill are currently. Uh, stare, uh, eating something mushy together. (laughs) So if you're Obama and you're Trump, I think on a personal level, yeah, they'd be like, fuck you. I I am still the most charming man and I'm not going to speak out of pocket, but if Obama would have ran in 2016, I think he would have won in a fucking landslide against Mm. both Hillary and Trump. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. No, in terms of former presidents, this midterm was more of a king making uh, showcase for Obama than Trump big time. Um, I mean, he he when Obama shows up, it gets people fired up. Are you fired up? Are you ready to go? He's been doing the same line uh, since 2008. But it still works. I also want to point out shellacking, that word. That was something Obama used to describe his midterm defeats in 2010 and 2014. And in uh, I don't even know how many years, in the 10 years since that happened, no one's come up with a better word than shellacking. So congratulations (laughs) to Obama for that as well. He's made this word stick for getting your ass kicks in a a midterm. Absolutely. Can I also please comment on the money situation you just talked about with Stacey Abrams and Beto work? 200 million. That is so astounding that the DGA blew that kind of money on races that, again, to your point, they didn't win and they didn't win by big numbers. And I'm just thinking of, again, it's just this national Democratic leadership in terms of how they spend their money, because we had right. the same thing happen here in Ohio. We had a, a Democratic candidate, Nan Whaley. She's the first woman ever nominated by a major political party for the office of governor. And the DGA gave her nothing because nothing. they were giving all their money to Stacey Abrams and Beto O'Rourke. I mean, even $10 million to Nan Whaley would have 
leveled the playing field with her and right. Mike DeWine. And you saw the same thing out of uh, Schumer's uh, Senate Leadership Fund, or excuse me, Senate Leadership Fund is uh, uh, Mitch McConnell's pack. I believe Senate Majority PAC okay. was um, Schumer's uh, uh, pack in terms of giving money to Democratic uh-huh. Senate races. They gave Tim Ryan nothing. They gave wow. him nothing. They also underfunded uh, the North Carolina candidate, uh, Ms. Beasley, who actually mm. was neck and neck with uh, Ted Budd for that open Senate seat in North Carolina throughout the night. And instead, they blew all that money in Florida and Val Demings. And Val Demings, Marco Rubio right. beat her by similar numbers as DeSantis beat Charlie Crist. So, again, yes. some still some questionable policies and yeah. uh, and spending from the Democrat leadership, obviously, yeah, they stopped the red wave. But again, you're just talking 200 million blown on races that they didn't win. I still right. don't think they they fully know what they're doing. And now we're about to get ready for the big show in 24. And obviously, it's a bit of Monday morning quarterbacking here. But if you do look at states like Texas, yeah, did you want to waste that much money thinking Ooh, that yeah. you were going to literally unseat Greg Abbott? Even the state, <laughs> even the hey, county. No one's ever going to unseat him because uh, yeah, he lives in a seat. Okay. There then. you go. You really nailed it. I like to more skirt around it so people can't really accuse me of stuff. <laughs> that man's say. never stood up for anything. Thank there you, you go. Fantastic. <laughs> Thank you for that. Oh, he's rolling uh, in deep money now. <laughs> yeah, you got that right. Uh, but even the district in which Uvalde, uh, the, the school mm-hmm. is, right. even they went with Abbott. Uh, so that just shows you what an uphill climb Beto had. And if I'm Beto, again, speaking of last rodeos, I don't think he'll be out there anytime soon again. Maybe just go back to, maybe go the talking head route, go the Andrew Yang way and just make an appearance on any show that'll have you. So to me, the fact that uh, Trump, Obama, and Mr. Biden were all in Pennsylvania showed how important Pennsylvania was. Do you think think we would have had these results had they not shown up there? specifically the Democrats? Well, it's tough to say. I mean, that's why that's why they flood them. That's why they flood the zone at the end. It's tough to say. But speaking of money, and again, I want to get to Georgia here. Um, but speaking of money, the reason that Kevin McCarthy has a lock on being the speaker, which they will end up winning and uh, Pelosi is no longer going to be the speaker. And if I'm Nancy, fucking fine. Go home and take care of your husband. Fine. Yeah. It's all good. Like, I don't, being Speaker of the House sucks. Retire. But Kevin McCarthy, do you know how much money he has raised in his years? Oh, my God. For the Republican Party? 500 million. He's raised half a billion dollars. He's the number one fundraiser in Congress. And that is, again, you buy your seats Mm -hmm. and you buy these Mm -hmm. positions through your ability to fundraise. I don't see the charm. But apparently Kevin McCarthy can just he can get a dollar from a dude asking for a quarter like he is like insane at raising money. So that if any, it's not because he's a great politician, it's because he's a good fucking grifter. And that's why he'll be the next speaker of the House. But with Georgia, we got the Mm. uh, we got the runoff. We got Warnock. We got Walker. These are the two big names of WW. But there was a third dude. And this guy got 2%. Now, he was a libertarian. What's his name, Travis? Chase Oliver. Chase Oliver. Chase Oliver. So what do you think this 2% means now that we have a runoff? Obviously, he will no longer be a part of it. He did his libertarian 2%. And uh, if you're the Walker campaign, are you looking at that number and saying, well, if we get that vote, boom, 
we're over the 50% threshold. And if you're the Warnock campaign, you say, well, perhaps they'll just stay home or maybe even we can peel off a couple. So what do you think that what do you think that third party role is going to play in that in that runoff? Right. Well, and we talked about it before the show. Those are the two scenarios, right? I mean, libertarians, technically, although they removed it from their uh, political party platform earlier this year in Reno, um, they're still pro-choice. And if we're talking abortion as the number one issue in Georgia for some of these voters when it comes to the Senate race, you know, Herschel Walker, a man who's paid for abortions, says he wants to ban abortion. So if you're a libertarian voter and that's one of your issues, then you probably go over to Warnock. Um, But then there's the traditional fact that a lot of uh, conservative folks vote libertarian. And so you think maybe some of those more conservative libertarian voters are going to swing over to Walker's camp. Again, this 2% is vital. There's also, as we talked about before the show, a chance that they just won't vote. They won't show up. (laughs) You know, they'll check out because they're like, oh, there's no libertarian. Well, eh, I'm out of here. But that is such a key demographic right now. And just like the runoff elections back in in 2020 in the Georgia Mm -hmm. Senate races, remember those didn't get finalized until January 5th, 2021. Right. And then they got sworn in and January 6th, hey, welcome to Congress. I mean, my God, the amount of money that's about to flood into Georgia, uh, you know, whether it's 200 million that the Democrats are sitting on, I don't even know. But if you're living in Georgia, buckle up because the next month is going to be basically a whole campaign season packed into 30 days. And how much money do you think they're going to spend there? What? How many millions are we talking about from the Republicans and Democrats? I mean, this could be because now it's going to be one of the few races. I think the other races are actually going to be resolved by them. And as yeah. Travis said, I do think uh, the uh, Democrats will end up picking up in the Senate and the House will shake itself out to be red. But how much money do you, how much money can we expect uh, yeah. to be taking what's going to happen in Georgia? Now, that's the that's the focus. Right. Well, the most money spent by, and again, we're just talking Senate Leadership Fund, which is Mitch McConnell, and Senate Majority PAC, which is Chuck Schumer. The most Mm -hmm. that they've spent on any of these races was around $30 million. Uh, Mitch McConnell pumped $31 into the J.D. Vance race. And again, Schumer, correctly or not correctly, I think probably pumped 20 some million into um, at least Fetterman's race. And then of course, a few other races. So I think you're looking about that amount, 30 million, 20 million from either camp, give or take. Then you've got super PAC money. You got Mm -hmm. dark money that's going to flood in. And Lord knows where that comes from because there's no way to find out. But just imagine we're talking 30 million that Mitch McConnell spent on JD Vance's race during the whole fall. Just imagine $30 million of ads packed within, again, one month time. It's going to be absolutely nuts. And if you hate political ads and you live in Georgia, you might just want to turn off the TV. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. They are going to be inundated with political ads. But I I can't imagine that people haven't made their minds up. And again, that is why that 2% is so interesting when it comes mm-hmm. to the third party candidate, where will they go? What will they do? And in many ways, they have a lot, a lot of power right now in the state of Georgia. You can make money the hard way becoming a bullfighter or save money the easy way with Xfinity Mobile. It sure beats making money as a human cannonball. 
Now through March 21st, learn how existing Xfinity customers can get a free line of unlimited intro for a year when they buy one unlimited line. That's hundreds of dollars in savings on your wireless bill. Visit XfinityMobile.com today. Restrictions apply. Xfinity Mobile requires Xfinity Internet. Reduced speeds after 20 gigabytes of usage per line. Data thresholds may vary. For over 130 years, McCormick has helped you make mom's lasagna to keep her secret recipe alive. Take over taco night. No matter how chaotic your day is. Conquer the bake sale, even if you get to it last minute. And craft the perfect Sunday brunch when it's not even Sunday. Because with McCormick by your side, it's going to be great. Well, and just lastly, speaking of dark money, Arizona voters overwhelmingly approved a ballot measure, going back to ballot measures to wrap it all up, to crack down on so-called dark money. The Associated Mm. Press called the result with just 66% of the vote reported. However, the measure had gained 73% of support from Arizonans. This was Proposition 2011. It was dubbed the Voters' Rights to Know Act by supporters. It requires any group spending at least $50,000 to influence a statewide race to disclose donors giving $5,000 or more, the reporting threshold drops to $25,000 for local races. This I cannot agree more with. Mm-hmm. When we talk about our crony corrupt capitalist state, when we talk about corporations buying the candidates that will then just rubber stamp all of the things that they want to get done for their own bottom line, even if it hurts us Uh, This seems like a step in the right direction for just figuring out who's sending the money. Why are they sending it? What are their uh, what's their prerogative? Because it matters. And it's corrupted our political system for so long. Arizona has surprised me in the most positive way in this election cycle, I must say. They really have. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, none of this shit is given for free. Mm-mm. You know, there's always strings attached. This is not an in sync song. There is always strings attached to any money that is given to a campaign. And as soon as the candidate wins after the campaign, uh, get, after the campaign is given a certain amount of money, ring, 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 ring. So, hey, buddy, remember that uh, hundred million bucks we gave you? Right. <laughs> anyway. Right. It's time to uh, sign this bill that says you're going to sacrifice your firstborn, you know? So I think without a doubt, knowing who is giving the money, what are the institutions that are funding these campaigns, it as voters will help guide us into knowing how these people will legislate. And we need, we deserve to know exactly what their motives are. Absolutely. Yeah, I was looking at uh, the the overall spending on these Senate races. They said it's the most expensive midterm in history. Wow. And that's money. That's just money accounted for. Right. Right. And I, I mean, that's I think it was closing in. Uh, it was one point nine billion. So almost two billion dollars being Whoa. spent. And New York Times had some fascinating profiles there on the billionaires who are doing the spending and buying these seats. I mean, we talked about Peter mm-hmm. Thiel basically dumping 15 million into JD Vance's, but then you got billionaires, like you said, hundreds of 
millions of dollars and just pumping it into different dark money organizations. So the fascinating thing, and again, congratulations to Arizona. I agree. They said they came through. They did, <laughs> man. They rejected Carrie Lake. They rejected Mark Fincham. And then you got some of these great initiatives coming through. Good on you, Arizona. Um, but that's the kind of the thing about Citizens United and that decision uh-huh. yep. is that what they've done is they've now similar to a lot of the other things the Supreme Court is doing, leaving it up to the states to say, you figure out how to control Mm -hmm. campaign spending. And it's obviously an issue that a lot of states don't touch because the people in charge are like, "Mm, I don't want to expose who's giving me all my money. Exactly. That's the problem. That's what $295 million injected this midterm cycle. So that's a lot of dark money, y'all. Absolutely. And, And that's why it's great that they did it with a ballot initiative. At the end of the day, and you know, kind of. I love ballot circle. initiatives. They're yeah, so fun. Full circle. That's the the core of democracy. A citizen driven petition effort. That's our our yeah. right to assemble or our right to petition. And that's how you bypass a stagnant state legislature. Whoever controls it, mm-hmm. you go directly to the ballot, and then you take it directly to the voters. So good on you, Arizona. I agree. Ballot initiatives. They're they're the reason that I get hard to go vote, <laughs> especially in sort of a uh, in a monopoly state like Los Angeles or uh, California, rather. And of course, uh, where I lived for fifteen years, in they're going to want to clean so. the the voters the booth screen after you're in there voting with your heart on. So, <laughs> I sir, know. Please stop pressing the buttons with your heart on. I didn't win all my ballot initiatives, but I won. Most most of them. So okay. I was yeah. pretty I hope good. they that's where they put the sticker on you too is when you're leaving. <laughs> yeah. Oh, on there. <laughs> I had to request my sticker. I, I that felt like I had to work too hard for my sticker. I mean that's not true. They were like, Do you want a sticker? And I said yes, but I wanted to, I wanted more of the I just wanted more than one. Yeah. Because I like uh, to take oh, a yeah. couple. I like to- yeah, take a couple of stickers and then you you show the Republicans that you voted five times. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> All right, everyone. A bit of a recap on the midterms. And obviously the next episode later on this week, well, I we should have we it should be pretty much conclusive. Other than, obviously, the aforementioned Georgia. So thank you all so much for listening. I want to thank everyone who listened to Hail Yourself on Sirius Radio Channel 103. That's Tuesdays at 6 p.m. I need you guys at some point to be chirping in on that show uh, because I'm alone and I'm talking to myself. But I had Fortune Feimster was my first guest. So that was very sweet. Fortune, that's great. Yeah, she was wonderful. And I just want to give a shout out and thanks to everyone who donated and supported yes. Head Pack here in Ohio, Homebound Entrepreneurs Against DeWines. It obviously was not the result we hoped for, but uh, with just $3,000, we had content reaching hundreds of thousands of voters here in Ohio. So again, awesome. small but mighty. And I just appreciate all the listeners for, for chipping in, chiming in and helping out. And that's what we got to do. Local elections are coming up next year. Mm-hmm. So I know everyone's probably already a little fatigued, but... If you're thinking about stepping up and trying to change your own community, change your own reality wherever you live, just take an hour this weekend, this week, and check out your county's board of elections and see how you two could possibly run for office. Because at the end of the day, it's going to take all of us working together. Give him a week off, would you, Travis? <laughs> no, Jeez. I, that's what I want to say. Thanksgiving's coming up. You got to announce at Thanksgiving, just like Trump. <laughs> Absolutely. Make an announce to your family on Thanksgiving. Uh, that, really get political with it. That, yeah, yeah. That's, oh, that's the time in. to do it. Lean that's in. the time to do it. Yeah. Well, that'll be perfect. I wanted to take this opportunity to thank everyone who was reaching out yesterday, all day, today mm. about, you know, the results. Uh, the results may not have gone the way we wanted, but that's small d democracy. And I just wanted to say thank you, everyone, for being involved. Thank you, everyone, for, you know, really good getting out there and voting. Hey, man, I'll tell you one thing. Tim Ryan's um, 
speech that he gave in Ohio to concede the election was powerful. It was a great yeah. speech. We were going to play some here, but we figured we had enough bla- to blab about. But listen to Tim Ryan's concession speech. That's how democracy works. That's how it's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, this past, what, seven years have been a fucking anomaly, hopefully. And we just get mm-hmm. back to uh, politics um, being slightly more I don't know, professional, that's a cordial, good polite. You can disagree on policy, but not every don't <laughs> stop calling everybody's wives ugly. Um, <laughs> exactly, right. We may be turning the page. I'm just calling on it like the, insulting your wife <laughs> and Please, saying your Lord. dad killed JFK. Call yeah. a crackhead. <laughs> call a crackhead. All right, or call Ted Cruz. I don't fucking know. He's on vacation somewhere. <laughs> hey, shout out to that guy who threw the beer at uh, Ted Cruz. Yeah. <laughs> he got arrested. Parade, oh, my God. Yeah, of all the crimes. Should have him. Yeah, this crime is out of control. That's a yeah. little bit past First Amendment, but, you know. Yeah, no, he he right. I don't want to get him with it. <laughs> you know what? Whatever. I'm, I'm going to pay his legal fees. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, everyone. Thanks for listening. Hail yourselves. We'll talk to you soon. This show is made possible by listeners like you. Thanks to our ad sponsors. You can support our shows by supporting them. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to lastpodcastnetwork.com. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. With the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. In fact, Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash podcast free. All lowercase, shopify.com slash podcast free, shopify.com slash podcast free. (laughs) 